And we're going to go right to that question again. Billy, I'm going to ask it once again. Whoa, so whoa. You, get, <laughs> you get like this. So you find out from the record label. We'll recap real quick. What's with this soul shit? Right. You get dropped, you get dropped like a friggin' like, 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 like a thing drops to the floor. Bang. From that point, what happens? Back on unemployment benefit, back to being depressed. And and back in the studio doing my own demos. That's all I could do at the time. Back to unemployment. So you had no shows no more. No. No club date shows. No. <laughs> Nothing at all. The phone stopped ringing completely. Zero. How long did that take for that Two time? years until... I was signed. No, no, wait. I can't remember. I just took my time doing demos. Um, or wrote all kinds of songs that later ended up on the Deadline album. Um, so I just sort of, sort of took my time. And um, Your Loving Arms was, was one of the songs. Um, <laughs> and it got rejected. But so I shopped it around. It got rejected by every record company. What was uh, the rejections you got? What were they saying? Just no. <laughs> yeah. Not feeling it. Just no. I also went to New York at one point. Um, so yeah. I, can't, I can't remember if it was my first time in New York at, um, or, or the second time, but I, I shopped, you know, I went to some major record companies and, um, and nope. <laughs> they didn't want it either. Uh, no UK company wanted it. And um, so I did some more demos and then uh, eventually um, it took, it took quite, it took another couple of years and I um, did a showcase gig at the jazz cafe just with the demos really. And, and I was literally signed the next day, but it took, it took, took a few years. So how did you get the Jazz Cafe gig and what was the story behind that? To get I just that? did it. I just called them up, you know, said, and, and the, the, the guy who, who does the booking there, um, he, uh, he's doing it again these days, I think. Um, he, just said, yeah, he just said, yeah, sure. <laughs> Come on down. We need you again. We need you. Yeah. Again. And I just hired a bunch of uh, a few musicians. Um, oh, so okay. you did live. Okay, so basically, what you did was you put this together as a live set with you singing with a full. Yeah, backing tracks too. So I always do like a combo, you know. So there were some backing tracks, and then some people played as well. Um, and so yeah, and then got got a record deal. Um, Who signed you, um, Magnet, which was Warner. Music. A subsidiary, a smaller version of one of the offshoot labels, right? One of the, the labels, yeah. Same same building and everything. So did they, they have like their own. That, did they realize when they signed you that you were the person behind Electribe 101? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Because I had approached them before with my demos, and I, I think he wasn't sure or whatever, and then he came down to the show. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so what happens now? You get signed? Get yeah. signed. Um, we discussed which song would be the single. And I said, well, I have a feeling your loving arms would be great. And he said, okay. And then we hired the grid to... Oh, I remember the grid. Oh, wow. To, you know, to polish 
the production on the demo was already pretty much that, you know, because I was really into my, you know, I mean, it's quite a, quite a commercial sound really. And I, but I was into that at the time. I just wanted to have some fun, you know, with, with, for a change and do something that was accessible. I just felt like it. I was, I was enjoying all these all these hits that were on, on, on the chart show each week. And I was just loving all that stuff. And, um, so, you know, and the grid had no problem with doing something that was just slightly more commercial, you know? Um, and then radio one didn't pick up the song <laughs> and the A and R guy almost had a nervous breakdown. And I signed with manager, Tony Gordon, who managed, uh, culture club boy george and a lot of huge artists you know and we were kind of like oh dear you know this is not this is not good and um one day i had a phone call from the manager saying you know something's just happened that's gonna happen one time in your whole career because that's what happened to boy george and he said um We've got like 160,000 pre-orders for your loving arms and the record company now has to re-release it. And then it went in straight at number eight, I think. And um, Radio One had to pick it up. Yeah, you have no choice at that point. Right. It's big for them because it's in the top 20 chart. Right. So that, and my manager said, remember this moment because it's going to happen. It it never happens twice to people, you know, and I was like, okay. Um, so I was really, really, really happy. Um, and then of course, what I didn't realize is, um, in New York, WKD was just starting, which is, uh, for those that are, who are not familiar with it, it's a dance music station. The first one, there wasn't one before. <laughs> and they did a, a survey on the streets saying, which are the 10 most popular dance records and I remember number one being Donna Summer and Your Loving Arms was in those top 10. And why so, was why was it in the top 10? What mixes? Who was what behind it? It was Junior Vasquez's mix, so I think. For a second. So she was part yeah. of Junior's backing. He was a hot remixer at that mm -hmm. time. And he was, was and Sound Factory was his club. Yeah. And, and he, and, and, uh, I mean, in New York, they were listening to the original mix too, but, and I, be, I even think, although I'm not sure that's the one WKD played WKD one, but I'm not sure which one they played. Um, they would have been playing junior's version at that time. Oh, you think? Yep. Yeah. It was radio edit. I remember. And the song, the song became so huge in New York, Miami, and then everywhere else. And, and I had no idea. Cause you know, I wasn't, it wasn't until I performed at junior's club. Junior was already playing this for a while at his mm -hmm. club. Right. You know, I was playing Roger Sanchez's version. We oh, okay versions i remember roger sanchez did a fabulous mix of it yeah yeah fun. yeah it's a sound that i was playing but yeah. Jim's version was more of what we call the circuit right a happy music uh -huh. mm. and brought her to perform that's with electribe 101 yeah, i know but let it just show <laughs> i don't have pictures of her sound factory but she's performing Mm. you know, all these records mm. at Junior's Club and Sound Factory. And now 
KTU, of course, that time they were all over Junior Sound. Right. So given that that record would have went right up the charts. It was amazing. Like, because um, when I went to New York, every, I mean, this is the stuff you were talking about before. So now I'm realizing I've got something going on, where, you know, because literally out of every shop window, out of every apartment window, the song could be heard in the whole of New York, in Miami, every, I mean, it was mental. And I just realized I had something going on, you know, and when I went to Miami to performing there in the gay clubs, oh my God, it was just, I've never they I've never off, seen right? anything like it, you know. They crazy, didn't they? They went crazy. For me, it right? was amazing, you know, and I was really, really <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> and I mean, Sound Factory, you know, when I performed, when I performed there, um, the reaction, I had no clue. I was, I was literally woken up at five in the morning in the hotel, you know, go down to the club, you're singing at Junior's Club, you know, and I'm showing up and I'm coming out and singing the first, or not even singing the first notes, just the music starts and this club erupts. I'll never forget it. You'll never forget that as long as you live, right? Never. It was like, oh my God. And I, I kind of turned around like, is this, are they, you know, is this me that, you know, doing this for? Whoa, that was crazy. So let's everybody give a recap. Depeche Mode, Electric one-on-one, she's getting tomatoes. <laughs> 10, 12 years later, she's now being graced as royalty. Finally, right? <laughs> for a short while. For a short while. All in her life, she gets that feeling of being queen. <laughs> of the disco mm -hmm. and her life changes once again it certainly did i enjoyed that that i really wholeheartedly enjoyed that whole thing you know the yeah queen of the nightclubs <laughs> but it's very difficult to have a song mm. that becomes an anthem like mm. that that record was an anthem for mm. people and today's a classic for us, of course, but at that time... And, and you know how it is in New York when when you when you have a, a hit record, people know you. They make it their business to know to know you and know your name, which isn't so much like that in Europe. But I enjoyed being treated really well everywhere I went. It was just one of those really joyful times, you know. And it wasn't an ego thing or anything because I don't suffer from that. But I just enjoyed going, you know, going places and people saying, oh, it's you. We love we love what you do. You know, it was really, really nice. Take us on the trip. So how long do you keep traveling off the record? How long is this, this success? Uh, oh, a long time. I moved to New York. You did live in New York. I live in, lived in New York for a year and a half. I moved there in 1998. Okay. Or 97. I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> and just sort of wanted to see if, you know, what I can get going there. But I think I'm too weird for America, you know. Why do you say that? Because they didn't know what to do with me. They're like, you know, in Amer you know what it's like in America. You're not Celine Dion and you're not the prodigy. 
So that we get that and we get that. Anything in between, if there's no mar if there's no market for it, they don't get it. It's a light years behind everywhere so else. Let's, you know? let's everybody understand. If you were trying to put yourself, if let's, I'm going to use a blatant statement. If you were like a Barbie doll, like when we all know what Barbie doll looks like, you know, it's the Barbie playhouse and, and you're selling your image to a record label. How do you explain that? What, what, when you say I'm too weird, what does that mean exactly? That, that, that I don't look or sound like Celine Dion and I don't sound like some underground punk thing. I'm somewhere in between. So you don't, you know, sit, you don't sit and in between doesn't work in America. You know, it, it has to be black. Or it's white. all compa it's all com co compartmentalized. No, so basically, there's no gray area, no mm. in between. Yeah, so they they're like you know, and I did have some really good songs to follow up as well because uh, I was really good friends with my publisher in New York. You know, from Warner Warner Music, um, he was really championing champ championing me and. He was really proud of the, the 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 songs that I had, you know, um, to follow follow it up with, but they didn't get signed. I think I, I was just too, I don't know, too European. Does is that a thing? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know. Well, because you know, David Bowie worked. There was some different mm -hmm. types of acts that worked in America. Yeah, but don't forget, David Bowie worked when he when he sang "Let's Dance," you know. Yeah, but let's not forget. It's a really universal thing, yes, you know. Let's dance. Everyone understands it. You know what I mean? And and it was Nile Rogers production, and you know what I mean. So it was like something that was working for America. Um, and then yeah, you, so I went back, <laughs> back to back Europe, to, back to <laughs> New York. Yeah, but I I enjoyed myself in New York anyway. But um, I just couldn't. I just didn't feel. I just didn't feel culturally it was right for me and I was right for it, you know, whatever it was. So, so I went back to, to, um, to Hamburg and then I, re uh, I moved to Hamburg for a little while because I just sort of needed to get away from it all and be somewhere different. Right. And then I met someone, um, who financed my album 18 Karat Garbage. So I, I started recording pretty much straight away in Hamburg. Well, I didn't record it in Hamburg. I recorded it with all sorts of people in Hamburg, London, in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, um, so that was great. You know. And that get picked up by Magnet as well, or that? Was... No, no, no. I was long dropped by then. <laughs> See, part, wait, wait, wait! wait. <laughs> so we got the soul version of of Electra. What did they tell you this time? Too weird. Uh, they said because um, I I had the demos for uh, eighteen karat garbage. Um, they were they were, they were <laughs> they were demos with a little drum machine, you know, and they were cute, but they were very like soul music type of things, you know. And they said, no, 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 we want you to make a disco record, and we it, we want you to do a disco um, record, and it'll be some cover version. And I said, oh, that's not going to happen. Bye. <laughs> so off I went, and um, so I guess they were quite happy that I said no. Um, they could let me go. <laughs> and so then I've been I've been a free agent ever since, you know, which is great. 
actually. Okay, and you have been sustaining yourself, thankfully, through it all, with the yeah. changings of this music, and the, and as well as the technology's changed because you've been part of our vinyl cassette mm-hmm. new generation that has mm-hmm. now had to accept the fact that your music is now being streamed. Mm-hmm. How do you with that? Um. When it first, when Spotify appeared on the scene, nobody knew what it was and why their music was on it. Even labels didn't know because what happened was distributors were just delivering it to Spotify. And so then the labels went, oh, what is it? Why is it there? You know, let's let's check with our distributor. So I did the same. Uh, you know, I, I asked my distributors and I said, what, what you know, what the hell? Take it. So, like, like many people, um, like many people at that time, I had it all taken down because it wasn't clear to people at that point. What does it pay? What is it? You know. And then, of course, we learned that well, it kind of doesn't pay very much, and and it actually pays peanuts. And and I was quite verbal actually against the whole thing. Um, and I was invited to speak at some major music conferences where I was sort of the un- the anti-Spotify person on these panels with all these big, big cheeses, you know, presidents of record companies and stuff. And I would tell them, like, look, you know, you, you, you better work on that business model of yours because we're not happy, you know. Um, and I think where we stand at the moment is that everyone has to make a decision as to whether you um, take what's available or you you totally opt out, you know. And as it stands now, the sheer fact remains that if you have a lot of streams, it does add up, you do get paid. You know, if you're not happy with it and you want to opt out completely, that's the decision. But in my case, I've you know, I know a lot about how, how it works, like who, who owns the shares, who benefits, you know, who rakes in most of the money, why aren't we getting more, you know, and I think this is some, something that everybody should know about before they comment on social media about, because they don't understand how it works. And um, so right now, for, for me personally, I, I take what's available and I make the most of it and I do get paid. And uh, whether there'll be a day where they pay more is is unclear right now. Because as long as the three majors sit on on seventy percent of of the the money, plus they're the major shareholders, there it, Spotify does not have more money to pay out. So while there is no money available to pay out, they can't pay it out. Right. Which probably they don't lose sleep over because they're bloody pirates anyway, you know. But shareholders have most of that music cataloged. They have the catalogs. They have the the, the major their major shareholders. The conditions of of paper stream that they get is much better um, than the little guys are getting. And um, plus, they make Spotify pay them about seventy percent of all revenue. On top of all that other stuff, on top of the shares and on top of everything else. So, you know, because they're saying it's our catalog, you know, and unless you pay us all this money, we'll shut you down. 
so they're all in bed with each other, you know, and it's it's not good. But um, but it does add up. It does pay. I think it's a good thing to be on there. I agree. Now that we know how it works and how you know we can use it, and but you're and, running around a panel screaming, everybody, take your music down. It's at evil. Time. I did at the time. I, there was a yeah. So I know. So did I. Mm-hmm. I remember having these conversations years ago, saying I hate Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still don't like them, but uh, <laughs> you know. Mm. So it's, now this circles us back to today. Uh, what? And now this circles in the circle of life oh. all the way around town. Now we're back. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like this click, 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 click <laughs> now. So we're talking about on the side notes, everyone. She wanted me to make sure that we mentioned about the new album that's been. Oh my God, we must because Let's people are this. so. This is when- that's the, this is coming out this Friday. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this that. Is the the unreleased Frankie Knuckles mixes of hey, heading. Yeah, of uh, heading for the night by Electribe One Hundred and One, and then later this year the unreleased album comes out. Which Where is amazing. Where songs been? Where have they been sitting? In my drawer. <laughs> not a vault. Literally. Not, wait, wait, not a vault. Not sitting in a bag. No, in my drawer. They've been in a drawer. And I'm sure, yeah, so. And a lot of work had to be done, you know, to get it all sounding. Can you tell us what was the process? How long did it take to get this together from when you thought about putting this stuff back out, getting the band members, all that? Give us the inside scoop. You mean that, like this, this release now? now? When you pulled it from, yeah. took it from the, from the, from the, the drawer to now. Uh-huh. What's it? Um, well, at first, uh, uh, somebody who started out as a fan of, of the group helped me restore the audio because there were some little bits, you know, like level fluctuations from, from old dots and stuff. So I, I had a lot of dots. And um, so there was that. Um, I had to go through it and see what was even usable. And um, some of the mixes weren't kind of ho- totally done but they were i felt they were good enough so then i went to a grammy winning um mastering engineer who totally ruined everything (laughs) and i was in shock i was in utter you know so that was like okay i think we we need to move on here so then i went to this to somebody else um who was recommended and he didn't get it either it was. It sounded okay, but it didn't. It really didn't sound great. And I knew what it could sound like, you know, because I was so familiar with with the songs, you know. And and I only had them in bad quality. So, but I could still tell. And then a friend of mine, an, a sound engineer who I've worked with for probably twenty years now, Steve Honest in London. He said, "Look, I'll just have a go at it, you know." And and and. What happens Let's and, see what- it, and it sounds amazing so we then went through probably a month of back and forth each song i would reject five times you know it's it i'm a perfectionist like if there's one little 
thing I don't like, you know, I go back and, but because we're, we're good friends, you know, it wasn't an issue, you know, he would just do it again. And I'd be like, yeah, that's the one, you know? So, um, and some he got straight away and some songs we went back and forth five times, you know, and it was, that took a while. Um, and that was actually a really good experience because it, it now sounds, I don't think it could sound any better. It sounds really great. So but yeah, classic. But classic sounding for what it was, you know. Uh, yeah, that. I'm very, I'm, I'm really happy with with the masters. Then came the next process because Steve doesn't do, you know, when you put the CDs together with all the gaps and the fades and the edits and stuff. So then I went to another mastering studio to do all that and do the vinyl cut as well, which I wanted to, I wanted to be there because I'm like, you know, I work, we worked on these masters for so long. I do not want the vinyl cut to change anything and I want to be there. So we did all that. And then it went to the pressing plant last week. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And the artwork is done. And Oh, before the mastering, um, cause you know, Electra 101's, um, artwork and the photography was really, really famous. Um, and the photographer was Louis Molotero and, you know, he, he was so well liked for, for this work, you know, and also the group photos, but also the abstract photos that, that he took that, that were the record covers and, and Louis, I actually tracked him down in New Zealand where he lives and he, he went into his basement archives and actually found all the unreleased uh, Electribe 101 photo negatives. Oh, wonderful. So he FedExed them over from, um, from New Zealand, and then they had to be restored because some of them were damaged and, you know, kind of... Um, missing or low res and you know all this so i took them to like this really major 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 professional um printing place where they worked on those images and so the album and the single all has lewis's original work and a lot of it not seen before um it's beautiful but made for the group at the time so it's a real it's a real labor of love it took so much so much work you know so who's releasing this is it you and the group or is it a record label that's doing it i'm putting it out on my, on, on on my label okay um so please but I'm, Billy but I'm doing it on behalf of the group um i spoke with brian from the group about probably a year ago now or, or more and 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 you know got his approval so um and I'm, I'm just doing it on behalf of the group um, because, because you know, we're not really in contact. So I just wanted to be sure they know about it and whoever's around knows about it, you know, so. We can't wish you more than the best and all the success. And we hope that you sell out on all the vinyl and all the physical <laughs> copies and the streams like crazy and Thank bring you. a ton of more work in. Thank you very much. But also you said, mentioned something off camera. You're inundated with a lot of other stuff too. That's mm. going on at the same time. What lucky fortune has la landed in your lap? <laughs> well, I'm, um, I've been, since 2017, I've been preparing to work on four albums. 
you know, um, I started doing demos. I had four ideas for four concepts, four albums, started doing demos, you know, kind of just, and then I didn't really have the money to do them though, and take them further and develop the demos. And, um, so I just did bits and pieces where I could, but I did a lot of research and I did a lot of pre-production and, and, you know, and then I think with, with the lockdown, you know, I've been using all these Corona funds that we were, we've been getting that we're not supposed to spend on our work for some reason, but I've been, I've been, I've been using it for, for that. So suddenly I can, I can make, uh, yeah. So I, I recorded one album already last month. Um, but it's not finished. It needs a bit of work done to it still. Um, and then I was chosen by a funding place in, in Germany for my, the other album, the second one. So now I'm getting money for that too. So I can do that as well now. Right. So I'm just, I'm just, and so suddenly I'm on deadlines and I'm freaking out and I'm completely stressed out. Um, and I don't know how to handle it at all. And I don't know how to get it done, but it's a good thing. Of course, you know, I guess you'll find a way to get it done. I will. You'll, you'll find the way somehow, somehow this far. Look how far you are now. Yeah. Billy, we can't thank you enough. My dear, thank you. you are a legend an icon of the underground and also of the pop world. Weird. <laughs> in, a weird way. <laughs> in a very weird and fun way. Mm -hmm. Anybody that knows our friend, Billy Ray, she says it as it is. Trust me. She tells you when she needs to tell you what you need to know. And she says it with no filter. She does. Because I've dealt with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that the filter is no longer there. And she will tell you. And that's if she knows you. Of course, she wouldn't. I guess she wouldn't just do that if she didn't know you. But we can't thank well. you. <laughs> of course, we want you to keep doing what you do. And you thank know what? Weird is what you are. And mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. Thoroughly enjoyed myself today. Thank you, Lenny. Oh, you're welcome. And we hope the greatest for you on the Electribe album and the other two other albums that you yeah. have pulling your hair out working on. <laughs> Thanks okay. so much. Oh, can I say something? Because um, that people are like, where can I get the vinyl? Why is the CD not on Bandcamp and stuff? So go to my website. Everything's there. That's all I wanted to say. That right now. Because I had emails like have some banners. Here we go. So here, let's just, mm. let's make sure Billy. This is Billy. Follow her. Aha! Uh -huh. Very oh, professional. Yes, you could thank our associate Manuel, the associate <laughs> Manuel Genzel for handling putting together the banner. Follow Billy Ray Martin on Facebook, Billy Ray Martin Music Instagram at Billy Ray Martin, and there you can. Follow the Yellow Brick Road to gain these albums. Okay. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lenny.